Welcome to episode two of Listen Loudly. My name is Justin Thompson Rule, and today my guest, my first guest on the podcast, is my good friend and colleague Susie Chan. Susie is an incredible woman. She's an incredible runner, and she has a way of seeing things and getting through races and getting through life, which I feel like not many people know about her, but is absolute gold. And I cannot wait for you to hear what she has to say. So I hope you enjoy the episode. Susie freaking Chan. Hi. How are you? (laughs) (laughs) I, I was literally just saying, I must remember that this is a podcast recording and we are not just having a lovely chat. <laughs> Please do not swear. No, you can swear. You can swear away. Can but yeah, this is not our WhatsApp. Okay. <laughs> so Susie, what an absolute pleasure. This is my first of Listen Loudly with a guest because last week was just me introducing what I've been doing for the last minute. So you're my first guest. It only felt right, my what darling, to have you on. <laughs> Repping, I see, with a beautiful jumper. I think the world should know who you are, but just in case some people who've been living under a rock do not know who you are, please. But I mean, if you don't run, you're not going to know who I am, being perfectly honest. <laughs> My name is Susie Chan, and I am an endurance runner and a Peloton tread instructor. And that is where I met the wonderful Justin Thompson Rule. Amazing, amazing. And there's so much information about Susie Chan that to even try and bring it down into a tiny nugget is really, really hard. But we met at Peloton, obviously we're both tread instructors. Can you just give a brief chat through when you started running, how you started running, and we'll go from there. We've got so much good stuff to talk about that people don't know about you, but I feel like it's just important just to know those little bits. So I started running in 20. 10. I wouldn't say by accident is a bit strong, but not really under my own steam. My brother wanted me to run a half marathon with him because he was running a half marathon. And I was sort of at that stage in life, I was 36 at the time. And I was at that stage of life where I just needed to do a bit better and probably be a bit fitter and to be a better role model for my daughter and just be less lazy, basically, because I was very lazy, very unfit smoked, drank a bottle of wine a night. So so I just, it was not a vibe. And I agreed. The abridged version is I then did this half marathon, didn't die, which was great. And then, and then went on quite rapidly to really fall in love with running and have running be part of who I am. So I went on to do a marathon and then quite quickly fell into this world, which was a lot smaller back then called ultra running, which is running further than a marathon. And from that point, I've run through some very hot climates, I've run through deserts, I've run through jungles, I've run some very tough races in some very tough environments. And I've also like run my local park run, I'll do my local 10k. So just all things running I've done. I don't know, I'm going to see hundreds of races in the last 13 years and loved most of it. (laughs) Yeah, amazing, amazing. And I think that's one of the things that people who know you or people who take your classes love about you most is that you do these phenomenal, incredible races and we can talk to that. But you were also happy to nip down the road to the park run and stay in that running community. And that is incredible. And also, I think it's really important. I think I think sometimes because I, I speak about some of the races I've done and they're very big and they're in quite tough places. I just want to be make it perfectly clear that I am in all of these events an absolute middle packer, a very bang average as it comes as ultra runners go. So there's some incredible talent out there. I'm none of those things. I am just here repping. I'm just like a mum from Hampshire who does do the occasional extraordinary race. Okay. But what, and we're going to come back to this, but one of those extraordinary races that this mum from Hampshire did, who, you know, is sort of just under speaking all of it or under talking it, what word am I looking for, was bad water in a place called Death Valley. So I'm just going to leave that there for now because <laughs> anyone who's invited to a place called Death Valley and the race is called Bad Water. Anyway, yeah, so mum from Hampshire, whatever. Um, so this podcast, as you know, is, is called Listen Loudly because I believe that you have to listen loudly to yourself in order to be heard by others. It's a really important thing for me. It's been a big, big part of my life and actually sport and movement was one of the really, really big things that 
I guess, built a, a confidence in me that nobody could take away. And for me, the, the biggest change and the biggest shift was when I was at university and I was out of my depth. I was at a very wealthy university. Everybody there was privately educated, had a lot of money. There were not very many black or brown people there. I was really, really out of my depth. And to be honest, I didn't kind of realize it at the time. You just get on, don't you? You just you just do the thing, don't you? Yeah, you're just paddling to keep up. You don't actually realize that you're so, so far back. But one of the things that really supported me during that time was actually training. training and that was when I got into rowing. And all of a sudden I was being respected for something that my body could do. And it just gave me this confidence that it didn't matter if I didn't have the money, if I didn't have this, if I didn't have that, if I didn't have all the other things, like I had something that nobody could take away from me. For me at that time, I was 19 and I thought, God, I was like, sport and movement is so, so important for everyone, but particularly for young women. I really, really felt it just gave me this kind of strength that that I've carried through with me, if I'm honest. And I know that you have spoken of. And I think many, many people, when they see you on the treader, when they see you out running, would never, never expect this. But you have spoken to me before about, you had a, a presentation at work once oh, yeah. and you were so nervous about it. I'll let you, I'll let you carry on it's, the, it's the, the just story. Just remembering it makes my blood run cold. <laughs> oh, God, sorry. <laughs> No, but it's, it's, it's good. I mean, because I've sort of not forgotten about it. So it's nice to be reminded of how far you can come before fitness. I, I was, um, I came to fitness a little bit later in life, not like old or anything, but just a little bit later in life. I wish you spoke about finding it when you're a young woman. I really, really wish I had found it because I think it would have just, uh, the course of my life might have been a bit smoother. <laughs> but I didn't. And I was, <laughs> and I, I worked in, I worked in museums and galleries and I had a job at the British Museum, which is one of the, um, the leading museums globally. And a colleague of mine went off maternity leave and just for a short period of a few months, they offered me maternity cover just to keep the more day-to-day activities of that job ticking over. So I took on this role, which was a huge thing for me. And they asked me to do a talk one day to a very small group of people, specialists, but these are specialists in their fields. It's a huge institution. And I, from the second I was told I had to do it, I was just in a world of turmoil because I was not a confident speaker. I wasn't a confident person. I wouldn't quite describe myself as mousy, but I was just, it just was not something I, I felt at all comfortable doing. And I prepared for days for this talk, came to the moment of doing the talk, and I was honestly paralysed with nerves. I was so fearful I couldn't get a sentence out. And I just, it was just like a wall of people just looking at me. And I could see some of them really willing me because it was visible. I was sweating how, how, what a mess I was. And I started talking, didn't make any sense, got up, walked out of the room, locked myself in the toilet. And that was, <laughs> that was, and that was the end of my public speaking career. And to jump on, <laughs> and it basically, it, it gave me, uh, I can only really describe it as a phobia of speaking out loud. Something that coaxed me out of the toilets. And we never spoke of it ever again. And then it's, I just carried it with me for years. And it, it was, although I was sort of reasonably, you know, I could speak to my friends or be in the pub and be like, ooh, you know, but it, when it came to a professional work environment, I just froze. And it was the point where I wouldn't even, I was competent at my job, but if I wouldn't speak in a meeting, for example, they'd be like, Susie, can I be like, no, I'm not saying. And then my, I sort of used to swerve it and avoid it and just sort of not, you know, be sit at the back or just like hide behind other people and just not say a word. If there was more than maybe two or three people in a meeting, I didn't want to speak. And so I just, I managed to avoid it for years, <laughs> absolute years. And then not that long ago, I'm going to say, when would I say? I'm going to say it was in my last job I had before I gave it up for fitness. And my boss at the time, one woman, asked me to do a very small three minute presentation um, in front of the department. And I was like, no. And she said, well, well I'm asking you to. And I was like, I'm, I'd rather just resign. And she was like, <laughs> okay, Susie, are you okay? <laughs> that feels like a little bit And then I was like, absolutely not. And I just said, I've got this real fear of it, won't do it, sorry. And then she, because she was an extraordinary woman and an extraordinary boss and leader, she didn't push me, recognised it, and then quietly found me a course, a public speaking course to go on. And it was absolutely astonishing. I went on a very intensive 10 day course, I think it was, or it might have been a seven day course. And just to tell you a little bit of what it was like, the, the first, the guy, we all have the same problem. There's a room full of people, we're all like, oh God, can you stand up and introduce yourself? And we're all like, 
I was just, no, immediately no. I, I just say one thing about yourself, and I was like, oh my God. and I got up and I got it done. And then the girl next to me got up and just burst into tears. And, and, and I thought, oh God. By the end of a week, we all managed to stand up and give a five minute talk on no notes. So it was it was huge, and I sort of took everything from that, and then I went on to be able to do a very small five minute thing at work, which was a huge big deal. So, and I know it seems very odd considering that I will stand up on a live live broadcast and just unscripted chat for an hour. But um, it was still very, very difficult for me. And the thing that was really transitional in me being able to, I was still be very nervous in the work situation. But then as and in, in sort of level with this, my running was doing its thing and I was doing more of these races. And then people asked me to come and talk about them. And the first couple of talks I did, I was absolutely sort of very nervous, but I got through it. But what I really noticed was that when I was talking about my running, my experience and my races, I was like, well, it's never going to be wrong. I'm not going to say the wrong thing because this is me talking about my thing. And I can just tell you what I, it was like for me. And, it, and as I realised that, it gave me courage and strength. And then I went from being petrified of public speaking to, as you can probably tell from that long answer, not <laughs> shutting up. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But also... Yeah, the fact that the thing that you were just relaxed about, the thing that was yours, that you owned, you were like, oh, I can do that. Yeah, so the difference was every time I was asked to talk at work, I'd be like, oh, God, I'm stressed and nervous and worried. I was going to get asked a question I didn't know and it perhaps make me look like I don't know my job or I'm stupid or whatever. I haven't learned enough or, uh, you know, I'm just incompetent. When I was talking about running, I'm like, the thing about running, if I'm going to tell you about a race, I'm telling you about how it was for me. I'm telling you what, what I saw, who I met, what, you know. So there was no, I wasn't saying anything wrong. And then it just gives you confidence just to, be yourself in a public space and that alongside the running I was doing it was which was was quite powerful in how it changed my own personal confidence and how I viewed myself it was also happening at the same time yeah the timing of it seems like it was really really perfect and just going back to the actual class itself like this was it was it 10 days or a week long did you say it was about that I can't quite remember but it was it was definitely a week it was definitely a week were there like bits that were like oh okay cool that's yes. the the yeah. tool yeah. or the yeah. tip will you, will you share those darling there were loads of, of little tips and there was all still use this now there's one of the things that you know when you are listening to example for a lecture because we're always in lectures when you're watching something or listening to, sitting through something for a long time you are not 100 percent hanging off every single word your brain sort of dips in and out but but you might be really engaged in what somebody's saying somebody says something fascinating but your face isn't because you're yeah. thinking Yes, so we did all yes. these practices where we had to talk to somebody and they weren't allowed to respond at all. Oh, right. Because when you're talking to an audience full of people, they're not going to be like, like yeah. if you're talking to them one-on-one, -on -one, they're just going to be... And so you think, hey, maybe this isn't going so well, but actually they're actually listening. Or actually Bob at the back is thinking about what's in his fridge. Do you know what I mean? So just <laughs> don't think... It was, about, it was about being distracted by lots of different things. And as you know, in our job, we have a job where there's lots of things happening in the studio. I see. You could, like an elephant could walk by and I'll just keep going, keep going, because I'm all right. I could not be distracted. And it's just about focusing on what you're doing in your job. So that was just one of the tips we worked with. We had a whole day where we had to talk and people were absolutely just like, had to be like, no, nothing, gave nothing. Because that's the thing. I remember having given talks in the past and you zone in on that one person that looks like they couldn't give a shit about oh, being yeah. there. And you're like, oh my God, this is awful. Everyone hates it. Everyone hates it. Everyone hates but it. Maybe they don't and that's fine. Yeah, exactly. And it also reminds me of, I went through, um, when we did with Mikey, we taught a, a level three personal training course to a group of young adults in Croydon. We did this whole kind of lecturing course and we learned about people who are visual learners, who are kinesthetic learners. And those who are auditory learners, they will tend to, in a room, kind of sit back, not even be forward or engaged or whatever. And as we learn around the room what each person was, because I was actually quite distracted because I'm quite a visual learner. So I was distracted by, I was, uh, you know, my friend was sat next to me and she listens or she learns through listening and she was sat back the whole time. And I was kind of like, you know, she's not being responsive because I was so visually aware. So yeah, just really, really interesting. That's so good to just be like, yeah, everyone blank, <laughs> it's, not listening, it's okay. not interested. It's absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Okay. And some people, 
you know, might not be interested, but it's it's fine. You're just doing what you need to do and you're doing you're doing your job and your best. I was fine sort of speaking about running. And then when Pelton came along, it was a whole new ball game. Whole new ball game. Yeah, nine <laughs> cameras, you say. It was a learning game. Yeah, <laughs> cameras. And then it, again, another, it was like I'm here. So I'm actually, I'm fine. I can sort of operate as perhaps a professional word in speaking. Then Pelton comes and your game's got to be a lot higher. And actually, I really enjoyed the process, which which we went through on that, where I, you're watching and thinking, you just, you just, I remember, I remember I did like a really small gesture, like, Woo, whatever it was, I don't know, some sort of gesture. And I for me, I was like, that's enough, isn't it? And then you look back and it's like, that's not enough, Susan. If you're going you've got to go for it, you've got to really go for it. And then in, in that way you've just got to be all in. So it's sort of gone up a notch as it has to when you're a Pelton instructor. And I and, and and now it comes from rather than a self-conscious place, like what's this going to look like? It just comes from here. I'm like, I love running, you know, so it's sort of it's much more natural. So it was a journey. It was a journey. If you could say a time or because I, I'm very much nothing, I, I think you are as well, very much like a process person. Like one thing that we both understand is just like that stuff takes time to build and whether it's, you know, building competence in order to build confidence and, and all of that. So what space of time can we go from Susie locked in the bathroom? Also, sh- also shout out to you for just leaving <laughs> and going... <laughs> No. It was that or, or burst into tears. I was like, I genuinely think I was, I was, I was having a panic attack. I think I was just like, yeah. I just had to leave. I just had to go. Had I just could not be there. doing this anymore. Yeah. I was like proper yeah. hyperventilating. I was like, this is no, thank you. I don't quite remember even leaving the room. I just remember being head, head in my hands in the bathroom. Like, oh, I, I, how do I go home from here? Like, you know, I shout out to anybody that's listening to this that does, because I really, really deeply feel you if you lack that confidence. Because I have, I am you. I, I deeply feel that that fear. And another thing, this was when I was in my early twenties. I didn't speak for like I'm not even joking, just ten years. <laughs> I just imagine a point of ten years. And another thing which has been, and I think this 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 one was timed exquisitely with getting the job at Peloton, was as you get older, you give considerably less of a shit what people think. You just sort of shed it like a skin, like, ah, oh, do you know yeah. what? Bye. I'm not changing. I'm not changing now. Um, yeah. I'm perimenopausal. I have not got time for this shit. Like, if you don't like me, it's okay. It's fine. Maybe you're not meant to. It's fine. And you sort of, whereas I was paralyzed with this fear of like, God, you know what I think? You know, and then you say something, is that the right thing to say? And then you're thinking about, did I say that? That person's going to be thinking, I'm a dick. And actually that person is not thinking about you. Not even thinking about it because people generally aren't. We're not. thinking so much about, They're thinking about themselves. what They're they about, think. Yeah. They're not thinking about you saying that one thing in that meeting five hours ago. They really are not. And it's, and it took, it's a gradual thing, as you said, it took me ages. And so, so this all sort of coincided with, me just being loud like it is what it is <laughs> yeah 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 and it's and so you, liberating so those like 10 years is a long time to feel like or, or to avoid oh I was, I was i was like pro level pro at this i used to do this thing where if there was like you know sometimes if you go on a training course you'd be like and then go around the room and i would say the first thing first i'm like yeah no, no, no. just thought, so everybody had similarly let me get it done and I'd say, and it would, they always used to start with the easiest things in those scenarios. They started with yeah. the easy stuff. So I'd say something immediately, and then I'd be like, I don't speak again. And then you're like, I'm done. I've done I'm my done. bit. Everybody's yeah. going to say something, and I'm done to get out of the way. So I'm not sitting there, and it's not building. The panic wouldn't build. I've got a silence. They're going to point me out because I'm not saying anything. And I used to do it in lots of situations, say something once, then. So you became a pro at just in and out? Avoiding it completely. Avoiding yeah. it completely. Yeah, I was really good at it. Wow, wow, wow. And then going back to you said that this thing is 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 more recent the shedding the perimenopausal thing of of giving zero fucks about what other people think and that is such a big 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 thing for so many people i've definitely been through it and you know on the one hand you're like yeah you know everyone's not for everyone that's cool that's fine but you still find yourself going, oh, I wonder what that I'll tell you, thinks. so there's degrees of it. So it's not like I don't care what anybody thinks because that would be silly. <laughs> that would be very <laughs> yeah. silly. I, I care, like, friends and family and work and people yeah. that come to my classes. So, so what I would consider the community around me, I care what those people think. 
right, I care. You know, if some, if my friends or an acquaintance, because you have to care, because otherwise you'd just be freewheeling through life. I do care, but there's uncontrollables. So I can only do what I can do. I can only be like a true version of me. And if that's not for somebody, that's absolutely fine. And if somebody then actively doesn't like it, you have to just be like, I can't, I'm not going to just suddenly change a degree of my personality to some random stranger. And it is that, that's a little bit harder to, to get to. But definitely a lot easier when you're perimenopausal, Jocelyn. <laughs> Listen, I checked in with my mum. Right, so mum went through the menopause around 51. So I've got, okay. I've got, a little, I've got, about, I've got about five years. I'll be coming back for tips. <laughs> mm. It's building. Some, you don't realise it's happening to you, I'm going to say. It's, one minute you're fine, next minute you're just staring at a tin opener, not knowing what it's called. And it's just like, what's, what's this? <laughs> I know how to use it. I don't know what it's called. <laughs> it just happens. Brilliant. I can't wait. <laughs> Delightful. I could talk to you about days about that another time, perhaps another time. <laughs> another time. Another podcast. And then moving forward to your most recent humongous feat, which was Badwater 185. Five, no, Badwater 135. Five, one, five. Bad that. Bad <laughs> In the flipping blistering heat. So this alleged mum from Hampshire who occasionally does extraordinary things did the toughest race in the world. I can't get my head around that because it's so far from A, what I would ever be capable of in in that regard. And I just, how long did it take you? Took me 41 hours. Going back to the point about me doing extraordinary things but being mediocre at them, I was 60th out of 100 or 61st, something like that. So I, I was like, give a shit know. if you were 100 out of 100. <laughs> Neither could I. <laughs> Neither could because, I. <laughs> because you have to be invited to do this bloody thing in the first place. You have to have been a support on a few previous ones in order to be invited, basically to know what you're getting yourself into effectively, right? Yeah. So you did that and you trained for that whilst working, whilst doing your regular thing. There was no time off. And when I think of people who do like Ironman triathlons and they like practically pause the year to do their training. Meanwhile, Susie Flippin Chan just carried on. You just did it. I'm hoping a lot of your listeners will understand this. You will. Anybody that has trained for a big race, that has is a parent, that has had a really tough episode in their life, you just do the thing. And then it's not really till like months afterwards, you'll be like, I don't know how. <laughs> I don't know how. How, like, what how, on did, earth? how did I do that? <laughs> like, you know, if, if, even if it's like tough. I don't know how I, I retrospectively how I how I did that, but the running thing it's it, it goes sort of hand in hand with this sort of growth of me as sort of finding me and as a person. I started with a half marathon, couldn't believe I could. I just didn't think I would do it at the start line, and when I finished, it was like, oh, actually, no, I was about nine miles in. I was like, I'm going to do this. <laughs> I can't actually finish, and then I finished it, and then. And I was like, maybe I can run a marathon. And then, you know, halfway through that, you think, no, I can't. And then you finish it and then just you can. And it was, and, and with me and running, that's how it grew. Each time I managed to complete something, it was like, maybe I can do more. Maybe, maybe it's okay. And then as ever, you've done a marathon. It's sort of the, the second afterwards, you're like, that is actually really hard. But then two days later, you're like, I did it. And then you feel like a little bit, you feel good. You feel proud. And it's like a bit of a snow. Well, it was for me a bit of a snowball effect. And so, as as the distances I ran grew, so did my confidence, and so did my sort of fearlessness. Probably a bit strong. Be like, you know, fine, I'll just give it a go and see what happens, and maybe I can do it. And it sort of fed my need to find out if I could run further, if I could run a little bit longer, not necessarily faster, but just <laughs> just for longer. One of my mantras, I suppose, is just let me just see if I can. I would say, actually, for my really big races, I do very much have to put myself in a very firm mindset 
of this is happening. I can do this. I'm meant to be here. But then there's some I'm just like, just see what happens. It's fine. And those ones are normally the ones where runners get very bogged down with paces and times. And that can be, I went through this whole episode where I was trying to, ch- I was okay at my running pace. And I was trying to chase times and paces and it was all very, and then you get to a point where you get PB, 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 and then you can't anymore. Or then you get injured or something happens and then you can't and it's harder. And then I was getting older and I went through this whole phase where I was not hitting the pace that I wanted to be. I was not getting the race results I wanted. And it was incredibly, for me, debilitating. I was, my confidence just fell off the cliff again. And then I went through a little bit of a journey, which took a long time, actually, about of, of me having to relearn that I'm not going to be defined by the fact that I can no longer run <laughs> six twenty minute mile whatever the hell I was able to run. And actually it's why why am I here? Why am I running? It's because I like how it makes me feel, it's because I like the community, I like the end result of it actually making me feel better. And at the moment when I'm judging myself against pace, it's making me feel worse. And so I chose I leaned towards running a very long way where no one can quite comprehend how long it takes to run fifty miles or a hundred miles. <laughs> and you do it for yourself. It came from a different place. As soon as I found that groove I became happy really really happy with my running and so focusing on and I know it's really cheesy but just focusing on what I was able to do and what I can do became my my strength and that would be very much my particular mantra when I would take on really big races and for me one three five battled one three five represented all of what we've just said that whole journey of being able to do something I dreamed of and not that I was able to do it when I first heard about it. It was so f- far off. I might as well said, I'm going to land on the moon. It was just so alien and ridiculous to my ability at the time. I could only run 13 miles maximum. It was so it's ridiculous and it, it culminated just everything about the sort of the, the self-confidence to be able to be like, yeah, I'm going to put my name in the hat for this. I'm going to see if I can finish this. I'm going to put myself amongst some incredibly huge names in the ultra running world and just see if I can do it. And more people have climbed Everest than finished this race. And it's a really, really tough race. But I approached it completely with all of the positive stuff that running has taught me and self-confidence that running has taught me. And I just put it all in one basket (laughs) and just really went for it. And I did have a lot going on at the time. I I had this, this Peloton job, which takes up a lot of time, a lot of energy, I also was amazingly the deadline for a book I was writing, so that was difficult. <laughs> and I just went went I don't know how just I just went all in. I just went all in for just just making it happen because I do believe if you standing at a start line, if you're standing at a start line, Joss, if anybody listening to this is standing at a start line of a race, they're meant to be there and, and it's 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 for you, it's not for anybody else. God, that gives me goosebumps when you say that. And you know what? I'm just thinking back to when you were training for it. I'm even thinking about the race itself. I feel actually quite emotional just listening to you talking about it. But there's there's so much from that that is so important because you talking about just releasing the numbers, not worrying about oh, the numbers. Yeah. That is that, such that a... That was hard. Oh, and it's such a tight pull. Mm, it was a really hard one for me because I think it's going to sound really odd, but running was like it was very much who I was. And and, and when you anybody on on their running journey, I'm very excited for you. But it is a journey, and at, at the beginning, you're, you're it's all about like oh, it's your 10k. It's very number driven. And then I didn't know at the time I was actually unwell, <laughs> and so I started to get slower, and I was and I was just really beating myself up about it. It sort of turned it. So running was making me miserable. I sort of like was dreading it. I'd go out and I'd be like, I'm so slow. And I'd come back and I'd think about it all night. And it would be like, and it really took me to, I had to really take myself out of myself. Because it's quite, it was quite sort of e- ego driven. And then be like, do you know what, Susie? <laughs> no one cares. <laughs> if you run that five, that 10K three minutes slower, it's like you're making yourself so miserable and then as soon as I let it go, I actually ran freer anyway. But it, it, it actually took an effort on my part just to realise that. And it, and, and it was sort of tied with my you be the ego, but you're egotistical about your running. And it just I had to let it go. And it was so freeing. And now anybody that follows me, I mean, everything, all my runs, you can, everybody can see them. They're, they're running on straw. But I don't give a shit if I'm, I'm out there running like whatever. Like everything's there. I don't care. It's so liberating. It's so, so liberating. And I, and, and I remember somebody I really admired, a female I really admired in the running world, Elizabeth Barnes, and I was done a few races with her. I can remember looking at her, like going to this, oh, I'm so slow, looking at her running. 
And she didn't give a shit. She was posting all sorts of like any really, really slow as hell. And I remember asking, she was like, I don't care, that's how I'm running. And I was like, oh, so refreshing. <laughs> and you also don't know where people are, right? In there, somebody could be doing a, a recovery run or they could do, just be taking it easier, like whatever. Like it's not a... Also, it's not, it's also, it's their business, it's them. It's yeah, them. it's their and thing. And just, just realising that I'm actually running for, for me and mm. not for anybody else. Mm. And, and that's what makes me happy was a real moment was a real uh, like moment for me as soon as it's I don't remember being like one particular moment but it was over a course of a few weeks I was like now I'm happy now I'm just choosing to run with friends I'm choosing to run to somewhere I'm choosing to just enjoy this race and just actually soak up the crowds yeah and that's it you're choosing it for you and one thing I will often say or I'll often ask people if they achieve their goal and let's say if it was a really big goal that they achieved and no one gave a shit, mm. would they still want to achieve yeah. that goal? Because actually, is that goal for other people or is it I'm doing this for me? And it's something that I like to call quietly fucking shit up where you're just like, yes, and that's I did the most that. powerful one, though. So like if Instagram, if, if Strava, if it all disappeared tomorrow, I would still... Run. You still own it all. Exactly yes. the same. There'd be nothing yes. I would change, but I'd still be going out there in the pouring rain, just doing that thing because it makes me feel better. And and I, I think when you do choose to run like that, you run better. It's healthier. Don't get me wrong. Now and again, I will be like, I'm going to try and run a bit faster for one particular race, and I will put myself out there training. And those are the moments where if I, I tried to run a fast half marathon, probably a couple, feels like last week, a couple of years ago. And I was like, oh, I was, actually, I didn't realise, I, I was running quite well. And I got very near my PB, which was extraordinary, because my PB was years ago. So I was like, oh, I'm going to have another go and really go for it. Because I'm so, I was like 15 seconds off. Tried, tra- kept training, tried, miles off. <laughs> but I genuinely, whereas four years ago, that would have destroyed me. It would have ruined my week. I was like, do you know what? I tried my best on the day. And I was really proud of myself. I'd like, I tried, and it, I still really enjoyed it. So now and again, I will try bit faster because you do get those little run dolphins don't you? you get a little bit you get that little run aside and it is what it is some days you're going to fly and the truth about running is don't tell anybody Josh but the truth about running is <laughs> especially races is I'm going to say a third of them are going to go everything's going to go right a third of the the other two thirds you're either going to have to really fight for it or it's just not it's just going to be not your day or you're just going to have it's just, just going to be it's going to be too windy or this is all these other things yeah, 100%. And that is, and I've spoken about this before, the rule of thirds. And this is in is. relation to it's people, in relation to, <laughs> yeah, it's a thing, which I only really heard about, I think it was last year. And one was in relation to people. It was like a third of the people in your life want to lift you up. A third of the people in your life are neither here nor there about you. And a third of the people in your life actually would love to, <laughs> to They're just see, see the Anything back of you. <laughs> yeah, fine. And then the other rule of thirds is, yeah, exactly as you've said around training, a third of your races are going to be great. A third are going to be just average and a third are, are going to be shocking. But the thing to remember about this, and I say this in training as well, I, I might even say this in my classes, is that the ones which, which are average, fine, great, fine. They're not bad. It's just average. The ones which are great, beautiful. Never Love forget. those. The Love ones those. which suck, they are the most important ones because they are the ones where you've shown resilience and you haven't, you know, everything's not gone your way and you've still somehow showed up in some capacity. And those those are the ones that make you an ultra yes. runner. Just Thompson rule. Because those are the oh, ones. Chan. You heard it here. Count. Because <laughs> they're the ones which really, because when everything's going great, it's easier in a way. You might be running fast, but it's easier. It's the ones which suck where you have to really like, Ugh. and they're, they're the ones where the magic is really happening. Yeah, even though it feels shit at the time. Oh, yeah. Once you get through it, you're golden. And to anybody that has had a, been running, sorry, this is very running orientated. Anybody that has been running and, and quite what they wanted doesn't, it's good. It's, it's, it's put it in the bank and it's there. It's still done. You have still done it and it's still something to work with. Yeah. And people get stuck in that. And I think that I talk a lot about just giving yourself grace and, and I talk about recovery a lot and all of that jazz. Sometimes then people think I'm like this, you know, soft flower who's like, mm, recover and give yourself grace. And no, yeah. it's because sometimes things are really fucking yes. hard. And actually, yeah. you can either do that, as you were saying before, beating yourself up about those numbers. And actually, when you relaxed and just went, you know what, screw this, it became better. And it was for you because 
fundamentally those numbers in the end are sometimes, as you say, that ego piece there for somebody else. It's okay to be proud of those things. And absolutely, I'm very proud of some of my (laughs) AK race results. It shouldn't be the thing that defines you and actually being, you know, if you're going to have, if you say you've had a tough run and then you're going to spend 48 hours beating yourself up about it, that is bad. That is not good for you. And as we know, the thing about sport, about training, about movement is the best ones are when you are feeling good about yourself. That's where you come through. That's where it, where you will get the best out of yourself. And it is very much a mental game. You know, if you are walking to the gym, feeling strong, feeling good about yourself and feeling confident, you will have a good session. So being able to, and it is really difficult. I said it took me months. It is really difficult to try and turn that narrative around in your head, but it is completely possible. And the, and the only person who is in charge of your thoughts are you. And you can really be like, do you know what? That absolutely sucked today. It was horrible. I didn't do anything what I wanted to do, but I still got it done. I still showed up in some capacity and I can still chalk it off as something which, which I've done. I've moved today. And also, I think what people can also get caught up in is I didn't get my sleep or I didn't get this or I didn't eat, eat right or I didn't blah, 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 blah. When all of the stars are aligned, when everything is perfect, the work is still the work. Mm. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. work is still the work. And so you still have to be here because it doesn't feel easier because all of the stars are aligned. You've just got greater capacity because all of the stars are aligned. But the work piece is still that is still that work piece. And then just going back to the glory is in, as you say, you know, the, that third of it feeling brilliant. Everything went well. Da, 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 da. And sometimes you can get yourself caught up in, oh, you know, it all has to feel like that. So then we So then we ignore the mundane kind of third, which is the bread and butter really. And then of course, then the rubbish ones are the ones that don't feel great, which are fundamentally the ones that feed into the the better third in the end. It's all brain fuel, mindset fuel, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna call it that. I have seen in races. You can be as fit as you like, you could have trained your training block could have gone immaculately I have seen elite athletes some of the fastest people in the world crumble in a race because their head has gone <laughs> their head has gone so you've got to really work on your mentality as well and I think obviously I've had to work on a lot in the races that I've done but it, you can be fit as you like you can be as fit as you like but if your head is telling you that you are no good today then you will be no good today you've got to be like okay this is what I've got to work with today let's see what I can do I mean one thing um for me when I was competing years and years ago was my head was always in working on my weaknesses rather than working on my strengths. And actually that didn't do well for me because it was a difference between, let's say my weaknesses were here and my strengths were here. Working on these and letting those sort of carry me up rather than working on these and never quite getting there to that middle piece or even beyond that it sort of could be just a narrative change it could be just like and I think they do this and this is an opportunity so I'm good at these I could be good at these too so it's sort of it's, it could be even just a, a, a perceptual change and you're still working on those things that actually do need improvement this is me telling me this because this is me, me for 2024 because I, I need to get stronger and so like, this is an opportunity this is an opportunity for me you know try and be keep it very positive again and it's working for you yeah but whilst maintaining obviously what you're what you're already oh, yeah. doing let's talk about strength Susie Chan because oh. I remember <laughs> <laughs> Why are you saying, oh God? Uh, because I remember, I feel like one of the things observing you and your greatness has been that you have felt such a positive impact from strength training, from doing your yoga, on your running. And each time you have, I think it might have even been, what was your 50 miler before Bad Water? Was, did you do a 50 miler uh, or an so 80 there's... miler? I did. Yeah, I did a couple uh, as training. Uh, and, so I did one called Cape Fear, which was part of the Badwater Ultra Cup. There were three races. Cape Fear. Did you hear that? Cape Fear. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I did one on the North Downs Way as a training run. And then I did an 81 miler as well. And I, I remember you being really pleasantly surprised how <laughs> yeah. good you felt 
after which I think you put down to the strength training and to the yoga so I'm going to say actually that was particularly I'm going to say North Downs 50 which is a race I have done before and it's very hilly very hilly indeed <laughs> and when I have run it I remember like just dying on my ass up these hills and being like walking and just, just like slugging it out and finishing the race off feeling okay but really feeling it the next day and then I went back to do it and I was right in the middle of the bad water training block it was it was literally a training race I had to run 50 miles as a training race just and I was running along and um I remember thinking don't stop running you've got to keep running to make this make this training race worthwhile and just thinking do you know what I was dying by this point last time absolutely and it was the strength training because it was so hilly flat up and run a long way but I was I just felt really comfortable for a lot of it where normally I I would be hurting so I, I I'm not great on on hills so that was you know sometimes because what happens is fitness the really annoying thing is when you are really fit you don't quite realize you are really fit do you <laughs> you don't realize yeah. and then you look back and you go god what Shit, I was saying <laughs> this is agony now like it happens like and I then but it was a real moment I was like oh I'm actually quite fit because you don't really it's it, you're just growing with it and sometimes it'll take a moment for you to think oh I'm actually quite good right now and that was that was a moment and yoga I really love I, I find it just my own personal mobility being perimenopausal um and for me it's that sort of stretching which I need to do mobility and also strength but in a very subtle way the strength work is my I do a lot of one-legged work and um it's quite a strong strong yoga practice that I do and I really really like that because it is probably the polar opposite of running you're very grounded you're 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 stationary but you're doing um, and then the the sort of other strength thing, which I do do, I would say it's supplementary. It's always sort of in addition to the running. But I did go, I went through a phase that I was using it for my running. And, and I really did enjoy that process of getting a little bit stronger. But it is always the first thing which I slightly compromised time-wise. Which goes... <laughs> Because there's only so many, there's only so many hours in the day, aren't there? And so I'll probably I'll like shave it down. But then what I did learn last year, Joss, was that I don't have to do an hour. I don't have to go and go right. Oh I'm hell do no, my... no. Yeah. yeah, I can just I, no. I started doing like ten minutes, five minutes, ten like fifteen yeah. minutes. So just go and just do like I'm just going to do some squats, or whatever. And it yeah, tiny made big difference. Made a big difference. Make a big big change, mm. Susie. You are really really strong in your mindset and determined like when you spoke before about at the start of some races you're just like right I'm doing this I'm here I'm doing this how did you get to that it's a long process and it's not like a done deal either there'll be some days I'll be like (laughs) what am I doing but as I've experienced I'm very rarely now in a race situation where I haven't been there before and been like this is shit but I can still get out of this. So I've had to build this sort of armory, some arsenal of thoughts and thought processes and things that I use which kick in. And they're they're self-taught. So as the running distances have got longer, as I've found myself in newer situations, let me me just think of one. I know I'm in the middle of a 100-mile race. (laughs) I'm running 100 miles without stopping and I think I can't run anymore because everything hurts too much. And be like, I'm, 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 I think I, I can't do this, I'm in too much pain. And then realise I just need a can of Coke <laughs> or some fuel. <laughs> and, and then I'm yes. okay again for about 45 minutes and I feel dreadful again. And then, I, so, and then I'm, so I'm like, okay, so now I know that I probably need to feel better. So that goes in, that goes in the afternoon of, of thoughts. And then there's a whole thing about just staying very focused. I have spent hours thinking – why is my calf sore now? Because like, you're running 100 miles. Like, well, why, my, my, my knee's a bit sore. And actually being like, don't focus on that. Have something to eat, have something to drink, and just try and get to the next six miles. And then we're going to sort of have another re-evaluation. And but sort of retraining my brain to actually switch into another focus, which isn't the negative thing that's happened to me right then. And I do a lot of distraction which I, I, where I will be running, let's use the 100 mile race, which is a very hard thing to do. I'll be like, okay, this time tomorrow, I'm going to be, I'm going to have a beer in the bath. I'm going to drink a beer in a bubble bath. I like to think about all the things which aren't right now 
And then the other thing really is to focus on what you have done. Like I've been here before, I can run this, I'm meant to be here. And just those sort of more reassuring mantras. So there's all these different things that have gone into the pot over the years. I've been like on my ass in a race and somehow managed to, to, to turn it around. And then the thing about the sort of running which I do is you can think your race is over and then, because <laughs> you're running for a long time, two hours later be flying. <laughs> just cause, so it's, it's very much... Uh, journey and so over time and as the races have got more extreme or been in weirder places or or just terrible weather whatever it is whatever the thing which is impacting my thoughts negatively I've dealt with this I've done this before normally start thinking about the finish line other anything else but the fact that what I'm doing is difficult and you know what I have done true story last 200 milers Things got a bit tough, and so I popped on a Jonathan Johnson rule audio club. Just <laughs> my drivel just got you like, through. Just distracted. You never let some distracted like somebody I know. It was really yeah. friendly, voice, friendly voice. I can't phone her up. Friendly voice. Friendly voice. <laughs> I just it's a, it's a combination of like positive yeah. distractions and just mantras to myself, and also knowing that you know it's not the end of the world it's literally running and if you keep moving forward you will get to the end and I have chosen to be there. <laughs> yeah 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 by, by choice I want to run this hundred miles yeah this is my choice but each time you've sort of been pushed I suppose to the edge in the moment and you've given yeah. yourself the the self-talk or the distraction yeah. just to get yeah. beyond yeah, but it's sort of, it doesn't moment. necessarily have to be taken from a really tough race so going back to that sort of you know that third 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 those days where it's like, oh God, running, oh, this is horrible. This is so hard. Honestly, I've been, I felt as bad in some of those runs, just like running literally five miles sometimes, but like, this is the end of the world. Like, just those, just those, like when I say that, that's fuel, they are fuel. I've been like, do you know what? This is just you being miserable right now. Just, just put some music on, just snap out of it so it's the same it's exactly the same feeling and it's just negativity and just focusing on the like oh I've got I've got ages to go why is this mile taking so long so it doesn't it doesn't have to be drawn from like a really extreme event I've been in it's just more of a, a feeling about myself I'm like okay let's turn this around let's turn this around yeah which is great actually because I guess the previous examples you used were of 100 mile races which yeah. obviously quite a few of us aren't going to do no. um but actually that you can have that in that five miler or that three miler. Because it's been like, this is horrendous. Like, this is the worst thing ever. And it doesn't have to come from like a, it can just come from a place where you are feeling terrible about whatever, whatever movement you're doing. And then you manage to somehow finish. And it might not have been what you wanted to be finished. And it's actually, it's, it's exactly the same series of emotions and using those emotions to fuel you. So you got it done. You got home. You, you just you, you you got it done, and it's it, there's no difference whether it's a hundred mile or or to one. So it's it's the same journey of turning it around. That is so so wonderful. I remember actually when I first had Bjorn, and the only time I could train was really late at night, and I'm not a late night in the gym person. Like it's not for me. And I remember one time my session was going to be about forty minutes. And I dragged my backside around that gym for about two hours. Just being oh, like, yeah. we've all done those. Oh, I could the, go the, home. The procrastination <laughs> ones, I call them. What? Having done it, I knew the next time I felt like that, I was like, no, nah, we're just doing it. We're just getting on with it. And so it's that same thing of once you've done it, you know, okay, I've been here. I can do it again. I can get through it. Just to finish off, again, going back to the, I guess, the title, the feeling of this podcast of listening loudly to yourself so you can be heard by others. What was the most pivotal point for you that you listened loudly to yourself so you could be heard by others that has still impacted you today? I knew, I didn't know you were going to ask that question, but I knew exactly when it was. And it was that very first feeling a little bit I just feel a bit oh think about that very very first finish line because it was the only finish line I really didn't know if I had it in me I just thought I don't know why I'm here I was terrified right then this is for what now this is for what race my very very first your very first half half okay okay my brother and I was so scared oh god I can't do this um you know it's gonna be awful you know whatever just all of those all of those terrifying thoughts that 
probably many people have had in their first sort of running race. It's just like, Jesus, everyone's going to Everyone knows what they're doing. And I sort of went from being terrified, not knowing what I was doing, to, to having a moment where I was about nine miles in thinking, I, I, I think I can do this. And then suddenly having this big rush of energy and feeling stronger. And that's what I'm talking about. So it came from my mind. It came from my heart. I just felt stronger. Then physically, I was able to just run a little bit better. And then I can remember crossing the finish line. I absolutely fucked. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, so utterly broken. I was really near the end of the field. I was one of the last few people to finish this race. And just having this euphoric moment of being like, I, I did that. I did that. And, and anybody that was anywhere near me at any given time for two weeks after that, heard about my so I just ran a half man. Oh, I love <laughs> it. I love I ran, it. I ran 13 miles. I ran oh, 13 miles. Because you're so <laughs> humble now about what you do. Like no one would even know you'd feckin' done bad water. Oh, and meanwhile, two weeks when you did your first. That's so it's amazing. It's a lot. You get in your car and you drive 13 miles. It's a bloody long way. And I just thought, maybe and I wasn't into it I thought I was going to do it and never pick up my train never I didn't have trainers they were just like gym shoes I actually bought some trainers I just thought that was going to be the end of it I just thought I was going to do this one thing with my brother and then never again never ever again and I can remember being like being at a real decision making decision like I'm a runner now <laughs> I'm going to run that made me feel so good about myself yeah, I'm feeling emotional you say in this season. Honestly, so do I. I had never felt that good about myself, about something I had done just by myself. And it just gave me exactly what I needed at the exact right moment in my life. It gave me something to just have to think about and to focus on. And then that's how I started running. Wow. <laughs> and it changed your life, right? In the end, here, here we, we are. are. <laughs> Oh my gosh, Susie, this has been exquisite, my love. I've enjoyed this so much. There's just always so much to learn from you. You're such an incredibly humble person for the feats that you do, but your toolbox is powerful as fuck. And I'm sure that if any of us could even have a little window into that or a little snippet of it, um, we would all be so much stronger for it. So thank you so, 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 so much. I am... so happy and so lucky that I get to work with you. So you're an absolute gem. So thank you so, so much. Thank you. And right back at you. The day I met you, Justin Thompson Rule waltzed into my life. I was so absolutely delighted that we're colleagues that I've met you and that we're friends too. And uh, yeah, thank you. I'm also so excited for this podcast. Not my one, not that bit, the others. Can I just say to people who weren't who, who who don't know this, when we came on just at the start of this, Susie didn't know that it was a video one. She was like, "Oh, for fuck's yeah. sake, Joss, I haven't got any makeup on." And I said, "Do you want to Sorry have ten minutes?" She's like, "Fuck it, I don't care." Anybody that follows me on Instagram, this is reasonably polished right now because uh, I don't look sweaty. Or it's not too close to my face. The hair isn't blown in the wind on the face of a rainy run. Little too close to my own face. (laughs) But um, yes, (laughs) you are a true legend. And literally, you were like, I don't care. It's fine. We're we're talking. It's fine. So I love you for that. And let's all be more Susie. (laughs) (laughs) All right, my darling. Thank you so, so much. I guess I'll see you back at work. See you at work. Amazing. Thank you, my love. Mwah. Bye. Bye.